Futurecast. Part of my training for my business mentor, he taught me. I had three major temporary defeats in my life. And he taught me every adversity in life, not some, not once in a while, every adversity in life carries with it the seed of an equal or greater benefit. It is up to us to find out what that benefit is when that temporary adversity or temporary defeat hits us. And he said, when you get tackled, and you will, he said, when you get tackled, when you stand up, you're going to realize you just got a first down, you're still in the gang. Welcome to Think Business with Tyler, sharing our methods and strategies for success. Join in on our conversations with business owners as we highlight their triumphs and detail how they overcame the challenges they faced while continuing to grow and scale their business. It's time to think life, think success, and think business with your host, Tyler Martin. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. Today's guest is E.A. Sokovitz. E.A. is an entrepreneur, a business consultant, a writer, and a founder of Givers University. Givers University is a community of like-minded givers with a mission to teach others how to be givers in life and not takers. Despite his humble beginnings as a son of a milkman, E.A. went on to become a millionaire at the age of 23. It's safe to say he has a lot of wisdom and practical knowledge to share with the world. He's had some incredible personal accomplishments, from being a business radio talk show host and interviewing over a 1,000 millionaires to becoming a published author and founding The Giver's University. If you want to learn how to develop The Giver's mindset and surround yourself with givers, stay tuned for some firsthand tips from EA. In this episode, we talk about the importance of mentorship and EA's first mentor, who to this day represents a major figure in his life. Why failure is the inevitable part of success and how we can use it to our advantage. The difference between givers and takers and how to tell them apart. And how to use the giver's mindset to improve our social, professional, and family relationships. What I really love about this episode is that it motivates us to get up and start grinding I'm excited for you to hear what EA has to share, and I absolutely love to hear your thoughts. Thanks for listening. Hi, EA. Thanks for being on the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. How are you doing today? Doing absolutely great, and uh, thank you for having me as a guest. And uh, I think uh, a great title, obviously, for a podcast is Think Business, because it's amazing how many people are in business and don't think as much as they should be. So Think Business is right on the money. So uh, thank you for having me, Tyler. Thank you. I appreciate you saying that. I, I chuckle sometimes because it, it does probably lack a little creativity on my part, but uh, I appreciate you saying that. So, hey, you know what I wanted to talk about to start out is, can you tell us a little bit about you, share what you're doing now, share a little bit about yourself? I'd love to start out the show that way. Happy to share with you. And I guess going digressing all the way to uh, just past birth. No, uh, first of all, when I was younger, you know, my last name is a Whopper last name, Solkovitz. And until I was 12 years old, I thought my name was Go Chop Wood. So it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, but actually it was a. So uh, anyway, uh, at, at the ripe old age, my, my father had a, a distributorship for a company. I'm from Chicago. And, okay. Uh, he had a distributorship, so, you know, one man operation delivering milk. And back in those days, because uh, I'm 65 years old. So, you know, when I was five years old and uh, he is a distributor for this company called Twin Oaks, 
they had boxes outside houses and they put, and milk came in glass gallons and there was money in the box outside the house because that was milkman money. And everyone know, you know, they put money in the milk and you know, in, the, in the box and a little list of what they wanted and the milkman delivered it. And you know, the amazing thing, Tyler, no one ever, not one single time did anyone ever touch the money. It was so amazing <laughs> that, you know, that times are different. Right. And so yeah. it was very humble up being, you know, I was damn milkman son, literally, literally. So, uh, and then it's ripe old age of 16. I made my first big step into uh, going and becoming successful. And I worked my way all the way up into becoming a janitor. Now, I didn't mind doing that because business was always picking up. What? Yeah. Anyway, so the uh, so what happened as direct result of <laughs> you, you got me there. I had I just I had to pause and well, think about that. Well, one. what I always do is I always laugh first, and then that gives everyone a cue. Okay, I just yeah. Did. See, that's how I tell jokes to you. He might have said something funny, but uh, you know, at least let's at least let's laugh at him if we're not with him. You know. <laughs> so, that's but hey, I, you know, but before you, because I, I do have some questions, I'll get yeah, into yeah, your yeah, background. For sure, for sure. What, if you don't mind me asking, what are you doing now? Like, are you are you retired at this point, or no, where I'm, are you at today? I'd love to, and then I'll kind of go backwards. I know that might sound a little weird. Okay, great. Founder of Givers University. Okay, uh, and it's as a direct result of a vow I made at 19 years old, uh, and fulfilling that literally today. And we teach some things that we can touch on later on that literally, genuinely, are not being taught anywhere else. And I do between one to three podcast interviews as a guest every day. And I can share with you by the time I go through the explanation, every host says the same thing. Whoa, this is not being taught. And this is something great that really needs to be taught today. So I look forward to being able to share that with your listeners. I'm excited too. I, I will definitely get into that. Where I wanted to start with is you just have some incredible accomplishments over your career. Really, really cool stuff. And I, these will be in the show notes too. Where I wanted to start out with, and, and I find this to be true often, is people that tend to be highly successful often start out with a mentor at an early age. And sometimes it's assigned and sometimes it's fate that you run into this person. You had a mentor very early in your life. Can you share that what that person did for you, how that fit in and how instrumental was that person into your future growth in your career? I can even share with you how we met and cover that as well. And that goes back to where I was with the janitor story because it was yeah. directly relatable to them. Okay. Back then, you know, and this was, a, and I was born and raised in Chicago area, a place called Oak Brook specifically, which is also back then the world headquarters of McDonald's. And I, so I witnessed the whole McDonald's phenomenon during my lifetime, right? Displays McDonald's number one franchise. I mean, I drove by it probably, I don't know how many hundreds of times. So at the ripe old age of 16, and this actually led to me getting a mentor in a left-handed way, being left-handed, I guess that's what had to happen. Anyway, so the <laughs> so I was able to be bonded, which means insured, to go into expensive places as a janitor, at, even at 16 years old. So one of the homes I cleaned, that was a million-dollar home and had expensive things inside, paintings like worth a quarter of a million, that kind of thing, was the home of June Martino. And June Martino had the third most controlling stock of McDonald's. <laughs> and she was an icon in the area. Everyone knew who June was, right? And every Wednesday, I was in there cleaning her house, every single Wednesday. And the amazing thing for me was, and this was the first thing that made me realize I needed a mentor, was because... I looked at June and here she is where so many zeros, I can't, I'm not able to count it on my fingers and toes. And she was very approachable, very nice. She saw me every Wednesday. I was in there cleaning her house and she always said, hello, was never condescending to it. And she had maids and butlers there beside me. Uh, I was doing some more of the heavier work kind of stuff, but it was astonishing to me, Tyler, that she was not an alien. I'd always heard that to be successful, you had to be a jerk, 
And she was not a jerk. She was just the opposite, very kind, you know, and very approachable. And that caught my eye. And I thought, and I kept thinking about it every time I saw her, I said, man, she's just like a regular lady. And well, she can do it. I wonder if I could do it, but I don't know how. That was the first point in moving towards getting a mentor. I realized I didn't know how. I didn't want to kid myself. You know, I was son of a milkman, burnt out janitor, who my fun time was getting free songs on a jukebox at two in the morning, cleaning bowling alleys, right? I mean, so this was the first, my first little inkling that I didn't know what it took to do it. So I asked June, I went up to her one day, I could tell she was in her extra good mood. And so here I was, snot nose, 16 years old, went up to her and I said, uh, June, can I ask you a question? Again, she was very approachable. And she said, sure, what? You know, and I, I said, could you tell me about it? She said, what? And I said, well, the whole McDonald's thing. She put her arm around me, brought me in the kitchen. And I had asked her in the morning, the entire day, Tyler, told me the entire story from beginning to end. Have you ever seen the movie with Michael Keaton called The Founder? Yes. It's about McDonald's. Okay. Yeah. You'll see in the movie, Michael Keaton, Ray Kroc, is, which is, by the way, the whole thing was very Hollywoodized. He really right. wasn't like that. That was right. Hollywood drama, right? But he talks to a lady outside his office all the time, June, June this, June. That's the lady whose house I cleaned. That's her. Crazy. And so she spent the whole day kind of downloading everything in her mind in terms of her success and just feeding that straight into you. The whole story. Wow. I mean, from right and and one and there's a time in the movie, if you remember this point, because it that is an actual event. June goes to Ray and says, We don't have any money. In fact, we're losing money faster than it's coming in. And that prompts Michael Keaton, Ray Kroc, to call the brothers and they have like an argument, and there's drama because he needs more percentage, right? And I don't know if you remember that in the movie. That was an accurate portrayal. And she told me that story, except decades earlier. Right. And, and she said there was a time that Ray couldn't afford to pay her. So he paid her in worthless, worthless company stock. So I told her, I said, June, I live paycheck to paycheck. I'm a janitor. Every Friday I get paid. If I don't get paid on Friday, I'm not showing Saturday. You know, I got to get paid, right? Why did you do it? And I could tell Tyler, I just, this 16 year old just asked her a question. No one had ever asked her before. Everyone always wanted to know what happened. No one ever wanted to know why. Right. So I just simply wanted, I just said, why'd you do it? Why'd you take no money? You didn't get paid, right? He's not paying you. And she sat back and stared at me. And I could tell she wasn't home. She was genuinely thinking, man, why did I do it? And then when she spoke, it made the hair stand up on the back of my neck. The way she said it, Tyler, was when I said, why did you do it? She said, because I believed in Ray. That was the instant. Right then, my very next thought was, I've got to find a Ray Kroc. That's it. That's the answer. I need to find someone, a mentor, not even knowing to put a label on it. I just, I need to find someone somewhere out there that will bring me under their wing. And if I'll do everything they say and cross every T, they can teach me what it's going to take to be rich and successful. Not knowing even then, Tyler, I had it backwards. We're taught in life. You know, you get, you grow up, you get a, you go to get an education, you get married, you have a family, you get a career and you live happily ever after. That's backwards. We're supposed to live happily ever after first, right? And it's not an adjunct or an ad addendum, right? So I even had that backwards, but I knew I needed to find a mentor. I needed to find, and it wasn't two to three months later to your original question. Cause I, you know, like I said, I never say in 10 minutes if I can't say it in 20 <laughs> And that was when I threw it out there and I need to find someone. 
I need somehow there's someone out there that if I can just make a commitment to them and get them to teach me whatever it is, I won't be thinking like a son of a milkman burnt out janitor. And it wasn't a couple of months later in the evening, I was at the janitorial service, same place as Jenner. And my boss got a phone call, Jerry, the owner of the company. He got a phone call, hung up the phone. And he said, well, uh, some guy just came in from Detroit. He's opening a diamond store. He needs to see some carpeting. I said, so what's that got to do with me? And he said, well, I need you to go and show him some carpet. I said, Jerry, I'm not going. So I said, first time I said no to him, that's number one. I said, I'm not going. I already punched out because back then, Tyler, they had clocks where you right. felt like punching them out. You know, when right. you punched out, you punched out. And, uh, you know, so I said, I'm already done for the day. And secondly, I don't know anything about carpeting. You know, I don't know anything about carpeting. I just clean places. I clean bowling alleys and stuff. Right. And he said, I'll tell you what, I'll give you one of these wheels, walk that way, that way, call me on the phone. I'll give you the quote. I said, no, I'm not going, Jerry. I'm tired. I've been clean all day. Said no the second time, right? (laughs) He said, I'll tell you what. If you go, I'll give you your pick of any Saturday you went off. Now, for a janitor, Tyler, that's a huge negotiation chip because we clean when businesses are closed. So what does that mean? Saturday, we're working, right? Every Saturday morning to night, we're working. So this is a huge negotiation chip. And I said... All right. So I repeat it back. Any Saturday I want? And he said, yeah, any Saturday. I said, okay. So now begrudgingly setting the stage, begrudgingly, mentally, emotionally, physically, I don't want to do this. I'm dragging. I don't want to do this. It's already nighttime. It's dark. This guy's leaving in the morning. Little do I know I'm getting ready to meet the man that will change the trajectory of my life forever. Wow. My mentor. And when I met him, there was an immediate comfort level, Tyler. It was weird. It was almost strange. I felt like I knew him before and he, I could tell he felt the same way. We talked for a couple hours, nothing but the carpeting. Because first of all, we had commercial grade and he wanted something real plus for a diamond star, right? So that didn't work anyway, but we talked about everything and it was just, and I thought, man, this guy's really something I could tell. He was very prosperous. I mean, it was coming out of his pores. I could see it. I could see he was very happy and man, we're like talking about everything, like all kinds of stuff. This is, this is like, great. So I really don't give a lot of thought of it. And I leave, I'm starting to leave. And as I'm going out, he hooks me, he offers me a job. And uh, I said, no, Third time I said no, by the way. All right. So in this whole thing with my mentor, I'm saying no over and over again. And, you know, life's saying, here it is, here it is. You asked for it. And I keep saying no, right? <laughs> so I mean, how, how foolish could you get, right? But I was there. So I'm, I'm, as I'm walking out the door, he goes, what do you have to lose? You could always go back being a janitor. Hmm. And I remember the tone in his voice. And I saw now the fourth time, the fourth time I say no, and I leave. I said, now I'm all set. I'm a janitor. People are always going to make a mess and I can always clean it up. Hmm. So I'm driving home, halfway home. It's grinding me what he said. It's grinding me. He knew it would, by the way. I found out later on. He he knew me. Oh, yeah. He planted the seed. He had me totally pegged from the second. You know, he knew that that would get me. And he was right. Halfway home. It's almost midnight now. And I thought, you know what? man, he's right. I'm going to go back and see what he means. Ah, he's probably gone on the way to the airport. He's got to leave. I go, he's there. He's still there. So anyway, I started working for him. And uh, that became not only the story of how I met my business mentor. And I share with your listeners something that I think is really important, Tyler. And that is be aware, be observant of those things that happen in your life that 
at the moment are on the edge of a dime and seem so insignificant that will be among the most significant events you will ever happen in your life because that's just the way it happens. And that's how I met my mentor. And that's, and he became the father I never had, even though I had a father. Yeah. What I find so fascinating about that story, which is actually a little different than most mentor type relationships that I hear about is you actually consciously thought in advance that you wanted a mentor. Usually that's not how it works out. Like usually the stories I hear is, you know, they, people fall into it. They happen to meet someone and that person takes them under their wing, but it's really kind of interesting and fascinating to me that you actually thought in advance that in order to get to the next level, you needed someone like, I mean, you may not have called him a mentor, but someone like a mentor to help you get there. I think that's pretty cool. And then I think the other part is that you had four or five no's. I don't know how many were in there that you gave. Yeah, there was four plus. Yeah, before you got to the point of saying yes, which was interesting because you went in knowing you wanted a mentor, but then you almost self-sabotaged it as, as much as I hate to say it that way. And did everything I could to self-sabotage it. I mean, you know, I mean, how much more do I have to prove I wasn't too bright? Ah, don't go there. But <laughs> I, mean, just, I just wasn't, I mean, but I knew that, that was the key. And I think that, I think we as human beings tend to want to get caught up in that because we want to look good to other people. And we always want to look like we got our act together and everyone's afraid to humble themselves and just say, you know what? I just don't know that. I don't know what the, I know the things I know. And I promise you, I know the things I don't know. And there's a much more vast subject matter I'm totally ignorant on and ignorant in the pure sense or pure sense, simply not knowing. And at least at an early age, I was dumb enough to know I didn't know and that I needed help. I didn't know a label mentor. I didn't know what that meant. I just knew when June told me about Ray, that I needed a ray. I mean, in my mind, that was, I needed a ray that, you know, it wasn't even, I didn't have a label for it. I didn't know what I needed to know, but you're right. I put it out there and there it is. And that's why I think, you know, people don't realize Tyler, that our lives become self-fulfilling prophecies that we get the wrong answers in life because not because the answers aren't there. All the answers are there. We ask ourselves the wrong questions. And when you ask the wrong question, you're going to get the wrong answer because you'll always get an answer. So. When I just foolishly said, I need to get a Ray Kroc, where do I find a Ray Kroc? When I did that, that self-fulfilling prophecy part started kicking in and there he was. Hey, I want to shift gears. So, and I think it still kind of plays into your mentor as your relationship evolves. I recently had a guest on my uh, podcast and she had cancer twice and she in fact got a three month uh, death sentence at one point. They said, Hey, you're not going to make it. You know, you got three months you know, make them good. And she beat it. God bless her. Uh, Just after, I think it was 12 years. Yeah. After 12 years, she just did a scan and it came out clean. So where I'm going with this is she, as part of her mission, she then started a company around health products Yes. and her whole mantra and mission now is to serve healthy food to people. And I know that has been 40 plus years of your career is in the health and wellness space. Can you share a little bit about it? Do you have some emotional attachment to being in that space. I'd love to know uh, a little bit more. Well, my movement into that space was again, like you had astutely mentioned, due to my mentor. You know, he had diabetes since he was a young age and he had, his story was quite interesting. He said, you know, when, if we had anything to eat, it was a really good day. And he grew up on what he said, the wrong side of the tracks. And uh, he was actually declared uh, Detroit's youngest self-made millionaires, a millionaire during the depression, during the depression, earned $1 million in one year. 
What an amazing man. And because of his upbringing as a child and lack of nutrition, right, it took a toll on his body. And and most nutrition and wellness is cumulative. It's not the things we do overnight. I'm going to do something good for me for a week, but that it's going to have very little impact. It's the cumulative effect of years. So he put together a private grant and that caused the funding of wellness formulations and things that uh, we worked on over the years together due to this private grant that he had put together. So it was always something very important to me in my life and in wellness, as well as our everyday lives and our self-fulfilling prophecies of our lives, if you will, has to do with a quick reference my business mentor shared with me. And he said, you always want to be in responsive mode, not reaction mode. He said, now in the medical community, if someone's, if you're having some kind of treatment, if they say he's reacting, that's not good, right? They say he's responding, that's good. He said, you want to be in responsive mode. He said, from an emotional content, always have your intellect control your emotions. When you do, you're in responsive mode. When your emotions control your intellect, you're in reaction mode. You don't want to be there. Physically and wellness, The same is true. The people we listen to should be those that can be responsive, not reactionary. And I guarantee you that not even knowing who this lady is, God bless her, you know, beating the big C. And I guarantee you that she began, whatever it was, was responsive mode and not reaction mode kind of things. And so I was brought up that as a result. And I can share with you, I've been blessed, uh, you know, because my father above and what he has given to me in my life. And and also I, I know that I've watched the three things that have to do with wellness. And that is the things I think about my body and myself, the things I put in my body and the things I do. And I can share with you, I've been very blessed and I'm not bragging or anything, but I can tell you at 65 years old, I take zero prescriptions and I'm probably in the best health of my life. And I'd love to meet any 25 year old in the gym and show them who's boss. (laughs) (laughs) So I, but I can, I, but all of that, by the way, is a cumulative effect. Right. And we all get to choose that. And when people push self-destruct all the time, over years and years and years, that's going to have an accumulative effect. And so I, you know, I just know keep an eye on those three things and give credit up above where credit's due. And that's where I live. I wanted to talk a little bit about your business consulting. You've been a high-end business consultant. I believe you've charged up to fifteen hundred dollars an hour. When you're working on a really high level like that, do you see a common theme? in terms of CEOs or clients, the problems that they have? Is there a theme? Are they all different or are they the same as $500 consulting gigs? Or I'm just kind of curious what you see when you're doing those services. Well, they're a little bit different because they're three times as much. That's number one. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> I know, carry the three in there. You're at 1500. So the, that all came about, by the way, again, another story, was um, I had a radio talk show and I interviewed in two years, 1,000 millionaires. I was on Monday through Friday. I had a one-hour show and every 20 minutes for one hour, so it was three a show, Monday through Friday. Monday was marketing, Tuesday team building, Wednesday women business, Thursday technology, and Friday financial strategies. And they were all millionaires in their marketplace, right? So they had to be a millionaire to be on the show. And then once a month, I did a training just for presidents of companies. Because I realized, Tyler, that everyone was training all their employees, but no one was training the presidents. And the employees came back smarter than the presidents sometimes. <laughs> so I thought, I'm just going to get all the presidents together. So I met them on the show because I was interviewing them. And then once a month, I had a boot camp that was $5,000 a person. 
And it was a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, nothing in the room, but 50 presidents. And I did this 50 presidents every month, just like clockwork for a couple of years. And and I got to tell you, that added up at 5,000 a head, you know, times 50, once a month for every year. But I realized I, I wasn't able to replace myself. But one of the things, two things I did. One, I taught these presidents of companies 400 separate ways to grow their businesses. Wow. 400 separate ways to grow their businesses. And secondarily, I interwove relationships between them. And as an example, there was uh, two companies that they, oh, they were so mad at me, Tyler. They both looked at each other. They knew who they were. They were competitors. One <laughs> sold uh, media for uh, a radio and TV uh, advertisement, and the other sold print advertisement, magazines, newspapers. But they were both in advertising business. They both sat in the room and glared at me. And I thought, I just ripped them off for five grand a piece. How could you do this? And so I immediately told the whole class, I said, just cool it, cool your jets. I've got something planned. If you'll bear with me, if you don't like it, I'll give you your money back. No problem, which I would, I was willing to do anyway. In fact, that was my guarantee. I said at the, I showed them all their checks. And I said, if by the end of the first day, you haven't gotten four to five times the value you already paid at the end of the first day, I will hand you your check back. You can see I haven't deposited it. And I showed them the whole envelope of all the checks to everyone in the room. Did it every, did it every month. And it was mind blowing to them. And I said, because I know the value is going to be there. So anyway, these two companies are sitting there and I said, you guys don't realize you have the same customers, but because you think you're competitors, no one will talk. I said, I'm going to dictate to you a non-circumvention, non-compete agreement that will cause both of you to share lists and your organizations will double. And 90 days later, both those companies doubled in size. By having a collaborative relationship? They were so afraid, wow. you know, thinking the other guy was an enemy. And I said, no, you have the same customers. He spent five years trying to develop that customer. You've spent 20 years trying to develop yours. Why do you want to go develop the customer? He's already spent 20 years doing it. All you have to do is work with him and you're compressing time and space. And so I wove those kind of relationships with these business owners together and it was astonishing and extraordinary to watch these companies double and triple in size in such small periods of time because they were thinking one dimensionally and not two and three times dimensionally. And I'm getting a little ahead of myself. We're going to cover this in a little more detail, but is that part of the giver mentality right there? Well, from, from a training perspective, it is. And the methodologies I used with these business owners, and that was I, I created so much value with them and went into the whole relationship with each one of them, knowing I was going to create huge value up front. So I, I, I wasn't, you know, I want to hold back. I want to keep this for myself. I'm going to be a timid feeder in the lagoon. I never approached it that way. So it was by giving that almost made them in some instances, morally obligated to want to do business with me because I invested in them and helped them in so many ways up front. Got it. And I may not have asked this question very well, but between the two of them, now they're giving their lists and their information. Yes. Is that part of the giver mentality as far as them collaboratively working together, would you say? Is that part of it? Was that conscious in your part of applying that early in your process of creating this, this giver university that we're going to talk about shortly? Uh, yes. Well, in the when I was on the radio and doing this thing with uh, with uh, business owners, uh, Givers University hadn't even begun yet. Okay, I mean it was it literally was, uh, you know, at that point it was literally becoming just a name. Digress to one last story with my mentor, which is a critical part of the whole thing we're talking about here today. Okay, when I asked him, I said, Sam, my mentor, Sam Robbins, I said, Sam, please teach me everything. Teach me everything you can. He said, Okay, I will. I agree, but I want to ask something from you. And I want to let you know, 
didn't matter what he was going to say. I was going to say, yes, it didn't matter what he was going to say. I want to know. Right. And he said, here's what I want from you. I will teach you everything. I will not hold back everything I know, but when the time is right and you will know that time, I want you to teach as many other people as you can. And at 19 years old, Tyler, I made a vow. I made an oath and a commitment to my mentor that now is today Givers University. Wow, that's crazy. Gives me chills kind of just hearing that at such a young age to, and then follow through it after you've had a very successful career. Hey, I do want to ask you a couple questions it's just before we get into the giver part. Given all your successes, is there something that now as you reflect back on, you might do differently or something where you said, man, I shouldn't have gone down this path. Is there anything we can learn from in, in something you would do differently? I want to share with you that I've reminisced on that a number of times. And I can share with you that I would genuinely have to say and want to say no. And here's why. Again, it was part of my training for my business mentor. He taught me. I had three major temporary defeats in my life. And he taught me every adversity in life, not some, not once in a while, every adversity in life carries with it the seed of an equal or greater benefit. It is up to us to find out what that benefit is when that temporary adversity or temporary defeat hits us. And he said, when you get tackled, and you will, he said, when you get tackled, when you stand up, you're going to realize you just got a first down, you're still in the game. He said, don't throw yourself out of the game. So I can share with you that every one of the adversities where someone might look and say, boy, I wish I would have done it differently because of my training, not because of me, because of what he taught me. And I was able to get the skill from that of what he taught me. I learned that these adversities, when they happened, where other people might say, boy, I wish that never happened. He had trained me not to think that way. He rewired me to say, isn't it great that that happened? And there's something in there that I need to find that's going to be something I can build on that'll make it better than it was before. And I can share with you, Tyler, 100% of the time, that seed of a greater benefit was there. Can you share those three defeats? It's, it's killing me not knowing them. Oh, I would ask that you ask me back three separate times to your podcast. Okay. Give me the top level. And then when I get to show 100, you'll come back, show 200 yeah, right. and show 300. Okay. <laughs> so, well, the first two basically were betrayals from business partners. And, uh, you know, and in each one of those caused me to write a book that so that I wouldn't be in that position again. And then the third one had to do with a uh, betrayal of an agency and, uh, uh, you know, and, and my battles with the government agency and, and what happened. And, and my business mentor shared with me and, and, and I'm very transparent with these stories. And I actually love to go through details because, you know, each one of them has a wowing effect. You go, Oh my God. And I know, and I it just, you, you can't even determine what the odds would be in some of these things even happening yet. Every single one of those that my business mentor said, don't use the word failure. Mm-hmm. He said, eliminate it from your vocabulary. It's too eternal. It sounds eternal. It makes the thing eternal. Use temporary defeat. He said, because that's all this is temporary. He said, it's going to be a temporary as you choose to make it. So each one of those major temporary feats, I use those as a story. And, and through the Give to Be Great courses, I'm very trans, almost brutally transparent because I want people to learn not only will these things happen to you, 
and they're not going to hold you back, but you can build on these temporary defeats when they do, no matter how big they are. And some of them are whoppers and, you know, I mean, devastating and decimating in nature. And yet they still can be built on and it gets bigger as a result. So I use them as lessons because that's where we really learn. We don't learn from the good times. The good times don't teach us anything other than how to coast. And they can be actually very, very dangerous to us. However, those times when we need to grow, when we need to reach down deep inside where something is asleep inside of us and we need to help awaken that thing that seldom wakens up unless forced to by a challenge, those things then are the things that help us really succeed. Yeah, those are wise words. I uh, have never thought of it that way, but it makes a lot of sense to use the word defeat instead of failure, which has definitely a very long-term impact to it. And defeat is very just a moment in time. It may, that makes a lot of sense. And I do agree with you. Like, I never really think of myself in terms of failures. I've definitely made decisions that upon reflection, I probably could have made a different decision and had, had a better result. But I do think that's when your learning is the best is when you go down a path that maybe wasn't the ideal path and it caused some tribulation or some learning times, but that's exactly how you learn. If, if everything was just always golden, you'd never learn. You just uh, almost have an unrealistic perception of life and how things work. And here's one of the things that, again, my business mentor shared with me, and he taught me the difference between education and wisdom. I can share with you, Tyler, I have met many, many educated idiots. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, all this book knowledge, all this information, all these innocuous, broad swaths of information, and they do not know how to apply any of it. Educated idiots, right? And wisdom by nature is knowing what to do and when to do it. And he shared with me those things. And here's, this one's going to just take some noodles and just make them go sideways when I say this one to some of your listeners. But I can share with you from a personal experience, I found this to be true. As wisdom begins to accumulate through us overcoming those challenges in life, What happens is that we begin to recognize what temporary defeat really, really means to us. And here's the real key. At a point in the future, we begin to embrace and welcome temporary defeat because we know what it brings with. And that's the part that bakes everyone's noodle. They say, you actually embrace and welcome when things go wrong? I said, no, because they're not going wrong. You think they're going wrong and they're not going wrong. That's not, I have a totally different label and different frame of what's taking place here. And so as a result of that, again, that's my business mentor's training, that to reframe those events when they're happening so that I'm in control of those events and those events aren't controlling my attitude, my thoughts, my my emotions. Let's talk about the Giver University now. I'm just dying to know more about this. Can you share with us what it is? What's the mission of it? And we start digging into that. For sure, for sure. As I mentioned earlier, we genuinely teach something that's not being taught today. And I ask your listeners the following. Think about the fires that you stomp out every day. Think about when your stress level spikes throughout the day. Think about when you have a conversation with someone and you're not even, you don't even remember what the conversation was about, but you do know that you have no more energy left. They just drained it all out of you. All of those three scenarios, Tyler, have one thing in common. There's a name attached to them. And here's what's not being taught today. 
I'm a self-improvement guy. I know you are. I'm positive you are, right? I'm into it. I love it. I love self-improvement. Absolutely. But here's what's happening. Because we live in this world that's so fast, companies opening, closing faster than ever before, products being antiquated overnight, all we have left is our relationships. And no one's teaching us how to discern who we should have in our life and who we should not have in our life. So what we do is we, and I I share with all your listeners, first of all, we love everybody. We love, I emphatically say, everybody. However, we teach people to separate the person who we love from their deeds, which we may not love. And as a result of that, we begin to show people and we've sifted it all the way down, literally funneled it, filter, 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 filter to where you can no longer say, how do I do it? And I've identified the actual deeds a person does. And when you see them doing these things, the actual deeds, and we give the people checklists. In fact, we're going to give your listeners some free checklists. Checklists that they can print off and carry around with. And when it does, it's mind-blowing when they look at it. And when the actual deeds, and when they see these deeds, they begin to discern, you know what? I wonder now, should I bring that person in closer into my life and build and have them a part of what we call my givers community? Because givers bring with them the three W's of wisdom, wealth, and wellness. Or should I begin respectfully distancing myself not nasty or rude or insensitive, respectfully distancing myself because takers bring with them the three Ds of a taker, which are defeatism, disruption, and destruction. And if I bring this person closer into my life based on my observations of what I'm discerning and seeing, if I bring them in closer, they're going to make me collateral damage. And I'm going to be stomping out fires that are not of my making. So today, Tyler, no one's teaching us What if the other guy isn't doing it right? What should I do about that? Number one, how do I observe that? What should I be looking for? Talk with a gentleman the other day. He says, he said, you know what? I I read a book and it said we should have like five really good people around us. And I said, okay, tell me, how do you determine those five good people? And he stared at me with this blank look of little orphan Annie eyes. Then I said, it's not being taught, is it? And he goes, you're right, it's not. And I said, we teach you how to discern those actual things. We're, we're going to give your listeners the a checklist that's called the six arrows that takers shoot at givers. That people, that givers don't even realize they're being shot, these arrows, all day. They don't realize why they're walking around bleeding all the time. A couple of days later, we're going to give them the, the 25 do's. This is an actual two-page checklist. We want them, we give it to them free because it's so life-changing and they look at it and they're going to say, oh, this is really good. And when you see out of the 25 do's, these are things people do. When you see someone's doing 13 of these on one side, you may begin to discern, oh, maybe they're being a little takerish and maybe I should uh, start discerning I should be respectfully distancing myself because when I bring them closer, my productivity is going to go down because I'm stamping out fires instead of producing results. My stress level goes up instead of down and I want to have low stress. I want to be happier. And I want to be around and have people around me that are going to help energize me, not be energy drainers all day long. So I'm fighting that. So I'm astonished, Tyler, at how many people are not able to observe and discern First of all, what should I be looking for? Because no one's teaching that. And then what should I do about it once I observe it? 
And we get down into all of those very, very specifics to usable things. And I got to tell you, I, I'm having so much fun teaching this stuff because I can see the change in people's lives and it's extraordinary. So is this something that you would apply personal life, family relationships, and work relationships? Does it go across the board or is it just certain types of relationships that it's most effective? All. Everything that we teach at Givers University can be used socially, in business, or family. And let's talk down, let's walk down the family path for a moment. Yeah, that's where I was going to go. Yeah, yeah. So let's say that you have a family member, and this is going to strike home with some of the listeners. Sure. You have a family member who you love. You love them, right? And you don't want to hurt their feelings. You don't want to hurt them ever, emotionally or anything, right? But you can tell they're being a little takerish. Right, And it needs to be brought up and it needs to be discussed, but you don't even know how to broach it. You don't know how to discuss it. I can share with you one of the very first things that they should do is share a podcast called Think Business with Tyler. And here's why. It's a third party. It's a third party that can help open up that mind. So all they have to do, it's real simple. All they have to do is say, you know what? I heard this really thought-provoking podcast. I listen to podcasts. I like them, but this one was extra thought-provoking. Do me a favor, listen to it and give me your opinion on it. See what you think about this. Tell me what if you agree or disagree. You never know. It may open up their mind. And if it opens up their mind and they begin, because all of this has, has a self-assessment part of it. It's self-assessment is built into it automatically, right? And if their mind opens up, you may have one less fire you're stomping out by utilizing Tyler's podcast to share it with others as a way to broaching the subject in a pleasant, loving, caring way, still yet very effective. That's interesting. So you plant the seed uh, in this case, maybe it's even read your material. It could be a reference too. And instead of saying, hey, be this way, you're giving that individual an opportunity to open their own mind and, and figure out if there's an area to move from the taker side to the giver side. Exactly right. And when someone's a taker, by the way, I want to let you know, we don't, when we say giver, we're not labeling a person, we're labeling their deeds. Mm. When we say taker, we're not labeling a person, we're labeling their deeds. And when someone's takerish, they're not there eternally unless they choose to be. We actually teach them in our third course, uh, we have three courses. One's called the giver's mindset. The other's called next is giver's lifestyle. And the next is giver's lifelong learning. All three of those courses are based on a series of books, three courses called give to be great. That's the cornerstone of giver's university and everything we teach, right? And we teach people how to do what's called a data reset, declare and turn around, D-A-T-A, declare and turn around. And we teach them how to do a data reset in their life so that they can move from takerish to giverish. Hey, as I start to wrap up here, I do, I do want to cover a couple more things. I definitely want to circle back into a future episode, by the way, of talking about your defeat. It'd be my pleasure. I'd, I'd, I'd love to be able to share just brutally transparent, all three of them, because yeah. there's so many lessons tucked in all of them. And I love to share that with people. Yeah, that's awesome. I do wonder, is there something you can share for us, myself and, and the audience, some tip or actionable, whether it be for life or business that can make us better and anything come to mind? Yes. Something that my business mentor taught me to tell myself every day and multiple times every day. And he taught me to tell myself the following, I will never give up. I will keep rising up and I will always overcome. Wow. That's powerful. It's good stuff. 
So I'm going to put this in the show notes. I'll put your your link to your website. Uh, I've been over and I've actually taken the initial uh, quiz that listeners can take. But if someone wanted to reach out to you and contact you, what's the easiest way for them to do that? The easiest way is to do the quiz like you mentioned. It's a free quiz, seven questions, super easy. Um, They get a a quick assessment at the end, and then within minutes, they get the six arrows that takers uh, shoot at uh, givers. A couple days later, they get the 25 dues. And then through that, we begin to then invest in the relationship with them. We're nurturers. We're Givers University, so we have to walk our talk. you know. And and one of the sayings we have, Taylor, which I, I enjoy saying and sharing with people is, your talk talks and your walk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. And <laughs> simply put, our deeds speak louder than our words. And so as Givers University, we want the opportunity to be able to show them that we really genuinely walk our talk. And, and so we nurture them and we share with them. And, little, and through that time, they'll, they'll learn about Givers University, how to contact us if they have questions, if a company wants us to come in and train their employees you know, on these things. Because what a great environment for any company to have, to have all their employees understanding this information and working together as a, a cohesive unit. And we help do, and we love to do all those things. So do the quiz. They go to giversuniversity.info. And when they go there, they're actually on the first question. That's a URL. They go, so it's givers, plural, giversuniversity.info. When they go there, they're on the quiz, do the seven questions, four minutes or less, super easy. And the title of the quiz is, what is your givers and takers awareness IQ? And it's a, a simple, fun little thing to do. And then it starts the relationship going forward. And we love to be able to share and invest in our relationships because that's what we do at Givers University. Well, I'm looking forward to, I I did the quiz yesterday. I'm looking forward to some of the follow-up material. You mentioned a checklist and some other things. You know what I I really got out of this? I got several things. I mean, you shared a ton of wisdom, but what I really loved that you shared is you constantly reference your mentor. You said you're 65 years old, but you're still talking about your mentor. And I think that says a lot about you in terms of your humbleness and the value in having someone that can share wisdom with another. And it stuck with you your whole life. I think that is just so cool. And uh, I just can't thank you enough for being a guest. I feel like I've personally have learned a lot and I'm sure the folks listening also will feel the same way. So thank you. You're welcome, Tyler. My pleasure. And best thing your listeners can do is be a giver and give this podcast to everyone they know because they're going to benefit in their social business. All their relationships are going to benefit when we have giving relationships. So thank you for having me on your great podcast, Tyler. Thank you. Have a good one. Thank you. That's all for this episode of Think Business with Tyler. But we have plenty more resources to help you in your pursuit of business excellence on our website at thinktyler.com. If you'd like to be featured in a future episode of the show, feel free to reach out to us on social media at think underscore Tyler. We look forward to helping you think life, think success, and think business. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, that's his dad? No, that's just my dad. My name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels again with a big hole. Touchdown! On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid. 
Electricast.